journey into the Bible and explore its hidden text and rich wisdom. Join Adol Kazilski Mondays at 1 p.m. for the trip of a lifetime. Shavua Tov and uh, welcome to 101.9 High FM. I am Adel Kozulski, excited to be with you for the next uh, 45 minutes. Where This is probably one of the most precious times that I spend during the week, learning Torah with you, because learning Torah just gives us that compass, that uh, focus of what our lives are, who we are, what we've been meant to be doing, and there's such a wealth of information and lessons to learn. A happy Tubishvat to everybody. Today is Tubishvat. Tu comes from the letters Tet and Vav, which is nine and six, which means today nine plus six is the fifteenth day of Shvat. Tubishvat, as you all know, is the Rosh Hashanah, the Ilanot. It is the New Year for trees, and it is an agricultural Rosh Hashanah. Where um, in Israel, particularly, we are able, well, the farmers are able to know, is this tree a year old or two years old? Um, it's the season, it's the agricultural season changing. And um, as you all know, we celebrate it by planting more trees and um, by learning the many, many lessons that Torah teaches us that we, in fact, human beings are likened to trees. We have roots, then we have our own trunk, we have our branches and then we have our fruit, and that obviously can mean a lot of things for a lot of people, but essentially um, it's all about the successes and the 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 um, the stuff that we 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 create in life, um, the influences that we bring to this world, be it in our own personal capacity um, and that which we achieve personally or that through children and creating the next generation. So happy to be Schwarz, happy growth. Um, summer is still with us in South Africa. We are very, very lucky. I think we just finished over the longest Shabbos. And sadly, um, yeah, we're going to be moving towards winter. I'm not happy about that. Not sure about you. But let's not harbor on the fact that winter is going to be coming around. We are going to go into the Pasha of Ayeshev that we started last week. That is cha- uh, Genesis chapter 37. I invite you, if you are able to, to open up a chumash, open up one of the five, book, uh, five, five books of Moses, a Bible, and look in Genesis chapter 37. It's much better when you can read inside and see what it is that I'm saying. And as always, a reminder, 34519 is our SMS line. 061-895-1019 is our telegram. And I love to hear from you, so don't be shy, whether it's a question, a comment, Let's talk together. Right, last week we finished, well, we didn't finish off, but we, we, we looked at the first two verses of the Pasha of Ayeshev, and in summation we understood that what um, the Torah was teaching us was the fact that Yaakov had settled in the land of his fathers, um, and the next chapter of uh, Jacob's tumultuous life. He actually, his life was not, he was, it wasn't, it wasn't a party's life. He didn't relax. He went from one thing to another, was about to begin. And that is with the whole story of Joseph. Joseph uh, being the son of Rachel, his foremost wife, um, even though uh, Joseph was one of the youngest, Benjamin was younger than him, that was his brother. Um, Nevertheless, we start seeing the story unfolding with Joseph and as mentioned before, um, we spoke about the fact that 
um, whatever was meant to be was meant to happen, right? That there is this overall umbrella of divine providence in this world and God runs it the way he sees fit. Um, and that in and of itself is a lesson to all of us who think that we control the world and, you know, we sit in the control tower and we are managing everything that we have in this world. Hashem allows the world to run according to the way that he sees fit. So where is our free choice? Our free choice is in the way we deal with whatever is dished up to us. So that is our free choice. That's where free choice is, that you can choose between good and evil. You can choose to act positively in a situation or negatively. But can you choose tomorrow um, that a, another pandemic comes to the world, God forbid, or the pandemic disappears, or there's an earthquake, or, or, or that anything personal can happen to you? No, because Hashem is running the world. And so we see that despite the fact when we look into the verses, we will see the reasons behind why uh, Joseph lands up going down to Egypt. Nevertheless, it was ordained already and prophesied to his grandfather, Abraham, in the uh, Brit Bain Haptarim, in the covenant between the parts. You can go back in the podcasts. We spoke about it at length, that his children will be in Egypt for 200, 400 years, and there will be slavery. And this is just the unfolding of that divine providence, that unfolding um, of history you know, coming into into the fall. Right, having said that and putting that down again as a basis, let's look at verse 3 of chapter 37. The Yisrael Ahav et Yosef Mikol Banav. Israel, and we know that Yaakov was renamed Israel, so Yaakov loved Yosef from, from all his sons, from more than any of his sons, because he was a child of old age to him. And he gave him a long, colorful coat. Right. So let's dissect that. Let's understand that a little bit more. Jacob loved Joseph because he was born when Jacob was already quite old. Is that the only reason why a father should love the child? So the Midrash, the Mamluez, comes to teach us that it wasn't only just because he was born of an old age, but more than that, he loved him because he was an extremely intelligent young man. We're told that Joseph learned from Jacob all the Torah knowledge that Jacob had learned during his 14 years at the Academy of Shame, the Aver. As you recall, before Jacob left well, when he left his mother and father and he made his way to Haran, there was a brief stop of 14 years in the Academy of Shame Eva. That's where Yitzchak also learned. That's where Abraham went when he was very, very young. That was the only yeshiva available in those times. He learned the Torah. So the reason why he loved him is because he became his chevruta. It became his... Um, his uh, learning partner, and that they shared the learning, he shared the learning together with him. Now, let's also take into account and remember that Yitzchak, Joseph's grandfather, also taught, uh, taught Yaakov, okay, um, and since Yitzchak, so he had also taught him, and then Yitzchak was still alive until Yosef was, was, 
yeah, he was 17. We said he, he went into, he was thrown into the pits and sent off to Egypt. He lived another 12 years. So the, for the first 17 years, um, Joseph also learned from his grandfather, Isaac. So he learned, so to speak, from the master and from the student. And so he actually derived a tremendous amount of Torah, a tremendous amount of learning, a tremendous amount of insight that actually, you know, made him who he was. And that's what made uh, Yaakov love Yosef the most. Um, and that's why we are told he is called Ben Zukunim. Zakain generally denotes an old man, but a Zakain, Zukunim, Ben Zukunim, can also denote a sage or a scholar, like a son of scholarships. So Yosef was a scholar in his own right. He also helped his father retain his scholarship. And it says that when any, any time that Yaakov would forget something, Yosef would remind him of that. So that is the first reason why we have it, that he loved him so much, and he was called Ben Zukunim. He was the son of scholars. He had learned from his father and his grandfather. This is 101.9 High FM. High FM, your station of choice since 2008. We are studying chapter 37, verse 3. We were looking at explanations of why uh, Yosef was loved more than the brothers, and he was called Ben Zekunim, um, a son of his old age. And the first explanation we gave was that he was the son that took on the mantle of learning. He had both his grandfather and his father as as teachers, and who could want more than to learn both from, from the master and the scholar and from both of them who had incredible experience in yeshiva. We're also told that um, uh, zakain can be used, can be um, the vowels can be changed around and be translated into the word zikun. Okay, we have a word, a phrase in Torah called ziv, ziv ikun. Okay, ziv ikun means a, ra- a radiance of resemblance. And the reason why um, he was called Ben Zikunim then, that is that in the fact that he resembled Joseph. Him and Jacob, I'm sorry, he resembled Jacob. Him and Jacob looked very, very much the same. And again, we know that just by nature, when somebody is literally a chip off the old block, it's very, very, very easy to go and love somebody like that. So that is the second reason Um why he resembled, uh, why Jake, Jacob loved him so much. But it wasn't only a physical resemblance. You gotta understand that all the work that Jacob did in Laban's house was for the sake of Joseph's mother Rachel. And then we also know that as soon as Joseph was born, Jacob was ready to return home because he knew that Asaph's killer would come from Joseph's house. So Joseph didn't only resemble him physically. There was a lot invested in the fact that Joseph's birth was the culmination of Jacob's work in Haran. Furthermore, and you can make this even bigger, Joseph's life paralleled that of Jacob's very, very, very closely. We're told, for example, that they were both born circumcised. Now, we know that there is great meaning attributed to a child that is already born without the foreskin. 
Okay, you do get that still today. Um, it's considered an aberration uh, medically, but spiritually it is a sign that there is a tremendous amount of holiness attributed to that person that they come into the world circumcised. Well, both Jacob and Joseph, Yaakov and Yosef were uh, born circumcised. There were other similarities, resemblances. Sec the second thing is that both of them had a mother that was initially barren. Rivka was barren for 20 odd years. So was Rachel. And when they did give birth, they both gave birth to two sons. So that too is um, similar, a similar situation. Both were considered firstborns of their mothers. Again, the same thing. And then um, we also know that both mothers had trouble in pregnancy and in childbirth. Both of them, Yaakov and Yosef, both had brothers who hated them and wanted to kill them. Of course, Esau hated Yaakov and wanted to kill him. And Yosef's brothers hated him and wanted to kill him. And most importantly, probably one of the biggest um, resemblances or similarities was that they both lived in exile away from their homeland. Yes, Abraham was born into exile, but then he settled in the land of Israel and save of going down to the famine, he lived in the land of Israel. Yitzhak never left the land of Israel, but both Yaakov and Yosef spent their time in exile, more in exile than in the land of Israel. And that's why I want to bring your attention back to the first verse of chapter 37 that says, Eli toldot Yaakov Yosef. These are the chronicles. These are the lives of Yaakov Yosef, meaning that the story of Yaakov was also the story of Yosef. The lives of Yaakov and Yosef were very, very similar. So in this word, Ben Zikunim, we can understand that number one, he literally was a child of his old age. Two, his whole Zander Etra, so to speak, of Yaakov so was around the birth of Yosef and that the similarities in life were incredibly um, uh, similar. It, it ran as the as a parallel course. And more importantly, they also were study partners. They were able to, um, to, to learn together in a way that Yosef, uh, Yaakov did not have with any of his other sons. So what does Yaakov do for Yosef? He makes him a long, colorful, colorful coat, which the Torah calls a katonet pasim. We are told that this katonet pasim was a silk coat. It was woven with beautiful patterns and figures. The word pasim, we are told, also comes from the word pas, which means the palm of the hand. And we are told that it was called this because its sleeves were long. It came down to the palms of uh, Joseph's hands. Other commentators go and say this coat was made of such fine material that it could be folded up and held in the palm of one's hand. We're even told the weight of the coat. Uh, the weight of the silk in this coat apparently was two salayim, um, which is about three ounces. So what's that? Uh, one ounce... I'm not sure of my, my things if you go up or you go down in kilos. I know kilos and pounds, um, kilos is less than pounds. So it was very, very light. Interestingly, this coat 
we are told, wasn't necessarily made for him, but it was inherited. But first, let's read verse 4 so we can get a little bit more of the circumstance behind this beautiful, long, colorful coat. Ve'yiru echav, and his brother saw, ki oto ahav avihem mikol echav, that their father loved him more than all his brothers. Ve'yisnu oto, and they hated him. Ve'lo yachlu dabru l'shalom, and they were unable to speak to him peace, uh, uh, with peace, peaceably, if you could say that. Now, let's try to understand that, and I'm going to be saying this a lot as we're going through it. You know, um, Yosef's brothers were not villains. They weren't, uh, you know, ordinary guys that couldn't control themselves. They were tzaddikim, each and every single one of them, because we derive all the tribes of Israel from all of them. So, how can we have such a um how can we have such a discussion okay that they they hated him if they were tzaddikim they could not be hypocritical okay they're not they weren't like people who were duplicitous where they would appear to be friendly while harboring deep hatred so what is the story so we're told the following we're told firstly before we even get into that, that, that this, this whole episode teaches us a lot about parenting. That if a man has two children, don't play favorites, right? Because that can cause great harm. We know jealousy can literally destroy a person. And so if we look at it on a very simplistic level as just a, a storyline, which Torah is not, okay? Nevertheless, what we can say is that we can learn from this that if we are not careful with the way we treat our children, we can cause antagonism there that is completely unnecessary simply by the way we are behaving towards one child as another. And it's not uncommon, folks, that, you know, you'll speak to people and say, well, I was the youngest, I was ignored, I was the oldest, I was this, I was the thing, and we have so much psychology around, you know, balancing the family. One of the most important things in the family is never, ever to show favoritism. But let's go back to the storyline of then, if the brothers would sedict him, how is it that they, um, they, 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 they weren't hypocritical? What gave them the right to hate? So according to one opinion, um, we are told that the coat was the cloak that Yaakov received from Esav um, that sold it to him as his birthright. Remember, just to remind um, all the listeners, this coat was a Yerusha. It was an inheritance. It came all the way back from Adam Harishon, from Adam. Adam wore this cloak in the Garden of Eden. It had spiritual powers. And it was able to subdue the animals and give off an aura that Adam was in fact the king of creation. And it got passed down through the generations and eventually landed up in the hands of Nimrod. Um, Nimrod, um, that's why he thought himself God and that's why many people believed at that time during Abraham's time that Nimrod was God because he walked, he used that coat in war and he was very, very successful. Nimrod gave it to Asaph. 
Asaph used it when he went out into the field. And then with this whole plea bargain, and remember we even said that perhaps um, part of this entire story of of, of getting the the um, the the blessings, Yaakov walked in and um, Asaph said, uh, Yitzchak said, I smell the smell of Gan Eden. We are told that he was actually wearing this coat that belonged to Asaph going back all the way down. Well, Yaakov took that coat, and now this is the coat that belonged to Yosef. And what was the symbolism of it is that it was supposed to be passed down to firstborn sons. So now, since the um, birthright, in our case, had been taken away from Ruvain, Okay, and we're going to discuss that much later down, why Ruvain um, lost the birthright. The cloak actually belonged to Yosef. And truthfully, Yosef was the firstborn because Yaakov wanted to marry Rachel, not anybody else. Now, we can ask the question, and we learned this last week, that why were the sons of Bila and Zilpah, why did they hate him? They should have actually been close to, Yag- to Joseph because Joseph was looking after their interests. He actually went and, when he went and tittletailed to his father, we said he went and tittletailed that the sons of Leah were treating the sons of Bill and Zilpah in a negative way. So why all of a sudden now do we have the situation where all the brothers hated Yosef? So, um, we're told that First of all, Leah's sons were jealous, jealous of him, primarily because he was Yaakov's favorite. The sons of Bila and Zilpah had no cause to complain about favoritism because they, they were to expect inferior status. What they were jealous of was of his beautiful new coat. And what disturbed them even more were his dreams. Now, where did the hatred come from? It wasn't just a pure jealousy hatred. Oh, well, I don't like the guy. He's such a nasty guy. And look, his father's buying him fancy clothes and we're not getting. We're going to get into the discussion now about uh, Yosef's dreams. Okay. And why there is a halachic right there for him, for him to, 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 to hate. Okay. They were afraid. They, 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 they were afraid that they couldn't, um, they, that, that, that Yaakov would disinherit them. That was their, their nervousness. Why? Because when it came to passing on the firstborn rights to the, the next generation, Abraham disinherited Yishmael. Yitzchak disinherited Esav. So when the brothers saw that Yosef was slandering them to their father and that Yaakov was showing favoritism to Joseph, they got concerned that they too would land up being disinherited and that Yaakov would only consider Yosef to be his only son. That's why it says that his brother saw their father loved him more than all his brothers, meaning they were afraid that because of Joseph, they would no longer be considered Yaakov's children and he would no longer be considered their father. And that's what bothered him. That's what made them all nervous. And we're told in the Midrash they actually tried to speak to Yosef. They tried to iron out their differences. 
But try as they would, the opportunity never arose. And that's why, again, when you look at the verse, the Torah says, they could not speak to him peacefully. Okay, They could not speak to him peacefully. Not that they, they would not, but they could not. Meaning, they tried to make up. They just weren't able to. The, the way the circumstances fell was that it seemingly looked to them as through this, these things that were happening, that uh, they were going to get disin- disinherited. And that was very, very, very painful for them. And that was why this hatred built up. The hatred built up more because of the dreams that um, Yosef was going to talk about. But before that, I just want to make make a point here. And I think that it's an important point. You know, in life, uh, we tend to always look at situations from a very, very subjective manner. That's, that's how we are wired up, right? We've got our preconceptions. We've got our misconceptions. Sometimes we have no conception. We don't really understand what is happening um, on the other side, what is happening to another person, you know, what, what are those person's feelings, where that person's holding at, etc., etc. And most times um, we land up interpreting um, information in a wrong manner. Now, in this case, had the brothers been able to see, you know, beyond that and see things in a different light, perhaps this, the hatred, if I can put in inverted commas, would have been less than, you know, them just looking at things on face value and going, well, this is just a pure case of favoritism. Um, you know, had they known, had they had insight, um, as an example, that ya- that Yosef was going to go and save the entire family, they would have looked at this in an entirely different way. And I think that this is the lesson and this is the, the takeaway from this situation. That, yes, we do find ourselves in familial situations. We find ourselves in, you know, in places and spaces where we tend to look at things and we analyze and we conceive them in a, in a specific way. And really, in truth, they might not be that way. And it, it behooves us that, um, you know, as we come into adulthood and, and, and we become more wise and, you know, we, 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 we engage with the world that we actually learn the art of listening to another side of trying to put oneself in somebody else's shoes, of trying to see things in a different way. Because guaranteed, 99 out of 100 times, there is another side to the story. And if you're able to engage with another person who's, who's wanting to come over onto your side and to um, to hear what you have to say, then there will be resolution. 99.9% of conflicts is because people are stuck in their own conceptions, misconceptions, uh, preconceptions, non-conceptions of what is going on. And so a fight erupts, hatred is born, anger comes out because we actually cannot cross over and look at another person's circumstance. And right here, you can see that instead of them understanding what was happening, we're even taking a much higher viewpoint of it. They allowed themselves to get into the rut 
of arguing. This is 101.9 High FM. High FM, 101.9 megahertz of life. There was a, another reason why the brothers began to hate Yosef, and that was because of his dreams. He was a dreamer, and even though the Torah goes into two of his dreams, we're told that he had many, many dreams, um, and they were prophetic. They came true. So let's go through now verses 5 to 7 of chapter 37. Let's look at uh, the dreams. Well, the first dream, and let's see what, 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 what it is that he told his brothers. Joseph had a dream. He dreamt a dream. And he told his brothers, And they landed up hating him even more. Why? He said to them, Shimuna, listen now, Hachalom Hazea Ashechalamti, to this dream that I have dreamt. Behold, we were binding sheaves, in the middle of the field. And behold, Kama Ulam Ulalumati, my sheaf stood up, Vigam Nitzava, and it stood up straight, it rose, it stood up straight. Vihine tesubena alumotechem vetishtachavena la alumati. And behold, your sheaves surrounded it, and your sheaves prostrated towards my sheep. So what was Yosef really saying? He was saying, I had a dream. And in my dream, it seemed to prophesize that a time will come when products will not grow, mine will remain standing, and you will have to come to me for food. Now, ladies and gentlemen, was that not in fact true? That was. That was prophetic. We're also told that it had a smack of prophecy much further down the line where one of Yosef's descendants, Jeroboam, who was a king, if you go look in Kings 1, he set up two golden calves and he put them up as royal symbols. And what happened was that the rest of the Jewish people, the descendants of the brothers, served them as um, as, 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 as idols, as idol worship. So, meaning Yosef's line, descended line, stood tall. The other brothers crumbled because they committed idol worship. The other is, is that, um, if you go and see, um, in Joseph's account of the dream, he actually says the word hine three times. He says, and behold, we are binding sheaves. Then he goes, and behold, my sheaf stood up. Then he says, your sheaves surround me. Why is he saying the word three times? Again, as we know, always, that when Torah goes and repeats itself, it's not because they just feel like some repetition for dramatic effect. There is a reason. And we are told the reason why Hine was said three times 
was because his brothers, in fact, would have to come to Egypt three times. We'll see this in the Pasha of Miketz and Vayigash. The first time the brothers came, then he said, next time you want to come, bring your brother Benjamin. And then they came again with their father Yaakov. So can you, if you are sitting in an objective manner, blame Joseph for what he was saying? It was innocuous what you're saying. He was just saying, I had a dream and this is my dream and this is like what it seems that things will happen. And truthfully, that is how it happened. But because, but because the brothers were not able to look at things objectively, maybe ask themselves, wow, can you, is this, do you think this is true? How do you think this is going to happen? What will happen if that really does happen? They remain very subjective in their viewpoint and got really angry. And that was fuel for jealousy and hatred. So can you see the, the, the timeline of where jealousy and hatred come? It, be, it comes from a subjective point of view. It comes when you get really angry, indignant that things aren't going your way. That, that What do you mean this? What a chutzpah. You get yourself into trouble. The only way to move through conflict is try to understand the other person's position. Be curious and ask questions and understand and try not to immediately have those weapons of war come shooting out from you. Going back to the script, that's not what happened. By Yomro Law Echab, we're looking at verse 8. His brother said to them, Hamaloch Timloch Aleinu. Will you then become a king over us? Will you then rule through us? And they continued. They hated him even more because of his dreams and because of his words. Okay? They gave the dream a bad interpretation. Okay? They, they, they just interpreted it badly, but truthfully, it was a good interpretation. That's one of the things that they went and said, Imashal Timshal Banu, will you rule through us? Why did they not say, Imashal Timshal Aleinu, you will rule over us? Because what did they say? They were saying, how can you imagine, how can you imagine that you will be a ruler over us? Even if you, Joseph, achieve power. It's only going to be through our merits because a younger brother is always dependent on their older brothers. And any status you attain will be because of us. So how can you rule over us? If you're saying you're going to rule, you're going to rule through us. Okay? And you will depend on us completely. And that is why they hated him even more. Okay? They... They, they found that his words were, were, were galling, that it was disgusting, and that he had the audacity to relate to the dream as if he was not its subject. So why did they also hate him in, in that aspect? So we're told that one of the people, that there's three people that God hates. One of them that God hates is a person who sees his friend committing a sin, and he reports to the authorities. Now, we know that Yaakov, I mean, sorry, that Yosef 
was tittle-tailing on them um, and to his authority, to, 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 uh, to Yaakov. And so they, they hated him for that. They hated him. You're not allowed to go and tittle-tale on somebody unless there are two witnesses and you're able to go and prove in a court of law that the person is guilty of what they were doing. Yosef didn't do that. And that, in, 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 in fact, irritated them. And what irritated them even more than all of that was that he was dreaming dreams. He wasn't telling them all his dreams, okay, um, he was only telling them this dream, but in truth he had other dreams and he he wasn't even sharing it with them. But again, it gave him the authority that, you know, I, I am above you. And so you can see all the mixtures that happened around uh, around this entire story that really riled the brothers up. So the takeaway, I think I have been clear the takeaway is in any relational conflict, stop yourself. Ask, learn to ask questions. Learn to be curious. Try to understand why the other person is behaving the way they're doing because 99% of the time, everybody is misinterpreting everybody else. And at the end of the day, the results of misinterpretation is just jealousy, anger, hatred, and really a bad feeling all round. And with that, I'm going to leave you and love you. Enjoy the rest of your Tubishvat. Enjoy the rest of your week. And please, God, I will see you that I will see you again next week, same time, same place.